This week I had a very fun and interesting conversation with Darpan, musician, healer, and general all-round explorer of human consciousness, I would say. Um, in this conversation, Darpan spoke very eloquently about just how necessary everything is in the collapsing and how we're actually in the process of some sort, some sort of painful birthing process of, of, of a new reality. He put forward how the conditions at the moment, however hard work they may be, are, are absolutely perfect for a, for a changing in our consciousness, our human consciousness. Now, at this point, it would be very easy to do for the conversation to have disappeared into this very light and spiritual and nebulous realm. But what we did in this was bring it right back down, right back down. You know, we had a real discussion about how it's so very easy in these trying times to dissociate into some sort of spiritual bypassing or, or, or just sort of drift your way through it. But the fact that right now there's a big call to actually be present, be here in the 3D, feel the darkness, a theme that's been popping up in podcasts recently, and actually really understand what you're going to stand for and what you're not and retain some boundaries and retain some sovereignty. You know, we talked about, you know, the Zen stick of, be, of why this might be just one big Zen stick ready to wake us up and how, you know, human consciousness tends to sit still and idle when things are comfortable. Um, we also talked about the three different stages of moving from a, from a camel or a sheep through to a lion and then through to a child, which was super illuminating. Darpan is a great storyteller and he uses some fantastic metaphors to actually get his point across so i'm pretty sure you're going to enjoy this so enjoy darpan hello and welcome back to wa real i'm your host Bryn edwards today i have the great pleasure of welcoming welcoming darpan to the show darpan welcome thank you honored to be here Bryn. thanks for inviting me you're very welcome so for those who are uninitiated into the world of darpan you're a shaman, musician, vision quest facilitator, teacher, explorer of consciousness. Is that, is that a fair summary? That covers it pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How, how did you end up becoming doing all of this? Well... No, that's an expansive question. But. It's somehow always been a part of me. I mean, I was always seeking beyond what I already knew. And so I was very interested to study psychology when I went to university. I did an honours degree in psychology because mm. I've just been always been interested in human behaviour and human potential and human endeavour and human exploration, uh, particularly on a psychological level. And um, and so, yeah, I was, I was at university. Um, at university, it was like taking away the blinkers from my eyes. It was like I, yeah. you know, I grew up in a fairly fairly kind of uh, confined, not confined, but very small town in South Australia on the River Murray, which was a beautiful place for a boy to grow up. Mm. It was just nature all around. But, you know, by the time I was 12, 13, I was already scheming, how the hell do I get out of here, you know? <laughs> and university was seemed the best option at the time. And, and it was really like uh, studying psychology was always something that I'd wanted to do. And while I was at university, I was open, you know, like exposed to lots of different things. Like there was a lot of political activity going on. That was, they were the days of Vietnam, apartheid. So there was a lot of 
student uh, political activity around those issues and other issues. Uh, and I got very involved in those. And also mm. at the same time, there was the whole psychedelic revolution that had just happened uh, pretty much in America and Europe because uh, it was the early, very early 70s, 1972, when I went to university for my first year. And, um, and so like I, I was started exploring on lots of different levels, actually. I was working as an actor also. I was doing theater studies as well as, as, well as uh, psychology. And that gave me uh, a, a wonderful opportunity to explore also the parameters of human experience in a mm. very kind of personal way. And, um, and of course there was, there was a, a student power in those days was a real and finite thing. And, and, uh, and I, it was a wonderful four years at university and exposed me mm. to a lot of different influences, as I say, not least of all psychedelics. And so uh, I did a, um, a thesis for my honours degree, which was entitled uh, Consciousness Expansion of the Nature of Religious Experience, wow. because I've always been interested in all the different religions and all the different, especially the experiential ones, Zen, Tantra, Taoism, uh, Sufism, and so on and so forth, and, um, and finding the common experiential link or the yeah. essence that inspired them all. Uh, regardless of their uh, cultural kind of, uh, you know, uh, structures that they've been placed in. And so uh, psychedelics was part of that research. And so um, from that point, I, uh, with that thesis, I, I actually didn't go into psych being a psychologist because no. at the end of it, I thought, well, I don't really even know who I am yet, let alone help somebody yeah. else be, find out who they are. So, um, I fell in love with an actress and spent the next 12 years doing repertory theater. And that was, I actually learned more about psychology in that particular thing than I ever did at university. So it was a very kind of practical and experiential because not only did you get to meet all kinds of crazy and wonderful people, but you got to play them as well. Yes. And so, yeah, that was, that's my kind of background. And, um, and from there I got into music, into bands, rock and roll, uh, moved to Sydney and Melbourne and uh, worked in ver with various bands, the Divinals, uh, St. Vitus Dance, uh, Die Laughing and others. And, uh, and so I had all these different hats at different times that I would wear, you know, once, you know, the hat of a therapist when I'd be a counsellor, working as a counsellor as well, and the hat of a musician and the hat of an actor. And, and yet I didn't identify with any one of those things as right. to kind of define who I am by any one of those kind of like, uh, you know, uh, activities. But um, later when, um, when I finally came across ayahuasca, uh, all, of those, uh, all of those skills came together under one umbrella. Mm. That wasn't until much, much later. That was probably 25 or 30 years after university that I came across ayahuasca. And hence my work started uh, working with as a shamanic practitioner, which is what I've been doing for the last 25, 26 years. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So I was particularly drawn to the, um, the, the small little eight minute new vision video that you put out. Uh, Yes. <clears throat> with Temple Step. And, you know, in there, you, you talked about um, a radical change of consciousness mm -hmm. and, and also, you know, almost like metamorphosis. Um, can you unpack that a bit more for us, particularly at this point in time? 
Well, yeah, we won to unpack. Uh, but yeah. uh, yes, I do believe that we're at a very propitious time of great change and great transformation, the possibility of great transformation in an unprecedented way, un unlike mm. we've ever experienced it in, in our historical process. And uh, it's almost like, you know, when the Mayan calendar happened, uh, ended in 2012, um, everybody kind of expected some sort of cataclysmic event, or many people did, uh, which didn't come to pass at that point. But uh, what I believe happened then was that we passed a, like a tipping point or reached what I call critical mass in which uh, a certain uh, percentage of, of human beings were in what I call the awakening process, were mm. in uh, the process of disengaging from their conditioned uh, beliefs and concepts and ideas and opening up into new frequencies and new modalities of human expression. And although uh, most of the people who uh, would qualify under that, in, under that category, uh, were still in the minority and still are. I believe that that's when the change started. Change started to happen, right. and uh, and I think that it's in like an ascending spiral. In mathematics, I would call it a geometric spiral as opposed to an arithmetic spiral. And what I mean by the two of those is, if you see a graph with a square like that, an arithmetic spiral is one that goes consistently in a straight line. Mm. A geometric spiral mm. is one that goes up and up and up and up and up and increases in. In oh, attitude yeah. as, as time passes. And so it's a little bit like a top that goes, woo, 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 woo. And I believe that as a, as a human, uh, in terms of our, our human evolution, we're just coming to that little point that, you mm. know, in science they call the elastic limit, where they say that the rate of change may exceed the rate of human adaptability. And, mm. uh, and what happens then, no one really knows. But um, many people are very, very quite intimidated by the accelerating rate of change on our planet and to the vast differences that have happened. Even since I was a little boy, so much has happened. I mean, you, uh, you know, I could list them off one by one, but I won't bother. I'm sure most people are aware of the incredible accelerating rate of change, not just with time, but with, with technology, technological yeah. progress. And, um, and I think that uh, human consciousness is at a very unique point because as we see the world around us dissolving kind of like going through a lot of birthing pangs actually a lot mm -hmm. of uh, shifts and changes i mean one only has to look mm -hmm. at the newspaper i mean since the lockdown happened a few months ago the kind of rioting and looting that's happening in america the tensions between china and america the uh, alliances that are being made with various countries that are a lot shaping up and standing off against each other not to mention a dozen other things uh, that could be a trigger point into quite a disastrous situation on this planet. And if you were to be seduced into uh, the uh, fascination with what is falling apart, one could actually start to feel very anxious and very uh, afraid of the future and very uh, see some dire and, and dark kind of visions of what may occur. And uh, certainly the vast majority of the population are experiencing that kind of an anxiety and that kind of fear that is being, that is being uh, sort of transmitted from the mainstream media around most of these issues. Basically, it's saying, be afraid, be very, very afraid. And I think there's a very good reason for this because there is this general awakening 
And many people who are tuned in will know this to be the fact and, and are working with it and going with it. But if you're not aware of it, it just looks like chaos. It just looks like things yes. falling apart. And so I find, as I said in the new vision, these are actually ideal conditions for the transformation of consciousness. Yes. Uh, consciousness never ever woke, uh, expanded or went through a, a metamorphosis or a quantum leap when things were really secure, when everybody knew everybody, you know, like in the fifties, when we were all comfortable after the second world war, yeah. everybody had their mm -hmm. mod cons and everybody, you know, enjoyed the fact that they could have their television and their washing machine and, you know, all the mod cons that we've, we've associated with modern life. That was nirvana for our parents or my parents. <clears throat> but it was a very short-lived nirvana because then along came my generation said, yes. we don't want your materialism. We're here to explore consciousness. We're here to explore ourselves. And hence the sexual revolution happened, the psychedelic revolution. Uh, so many different uh, sociological transformations took place. The rise of feminism, uh, the, the, you know, the, 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 uh, the arrival of the internet, which connected the people like a one brain around the planet, so many factors started to change this idea of material nirvana, which mm. was very short-lived in the 50s and early 60s. And, um, and in that sort of a situation, a material nirvana, consciousness is very deeply locked in. It's like concrete in the earth. There's not much you can do to shift it when people are feeling that kind of like, uh, when they're that asleep, I guess, when they're just identified yeah. with a very narrow vision of what the potential of life and consciousness is. Mm. But when things are shaken up, it's, it is actually very good, very good conditions, although very uncomfortable, but mm. actually ideal conditions for the transformation of consciousness. And it's my uh, belief or prediction that as we go deeper into this over the next coming months and years, uh, more and more people will start waking up and what are, what are they waking up from? They're waking up from the narrow blinkered view that materialism will provide the answer to our happiness, that our leaders have our best interests in heart, that we can abrogate our responsibility and our power to other people like priests and politicians and people in white coats to make decisions for us. What is happening right now is there is a general awakening of humanity, quite analogous to when we went through puberty. Yes. You know, like prior to puberty, mum and dad knew everything and we followed mum and dad's directions and we were happy in that. And so, so it should be, just as the world has been happy within a certain level of consciousness, what I might call 3D fixated consciousness. And, yes. uh, and that is changing. And why is it changing? It's changing because human consciousness is, awaken is awakening. It's actually going through like a puberty process, a transition into yes. a conscious custodian, uh, which involves, you know, having to look at ourselves, having to take responsibility for the beauty that we bring into the world, also for the darkness and the toxicity that we bring into the world. Yeah. Yeah. To actually own it and say, I am responsible, not just to blame other people, oh, it's this group or that country or this ideology that is to blame, but to take it all back, reel it all back in to oneself and go, the buck stops here. I am responsible. And if you can say, I am responsible for my reality, and if you become aware that you create your reality moment by moment, then it becomes possible to embrace this new modality of how we see ourselves. And perception is absolutely the key. Once we change perception, the whole world changes with it. 
And what I thought when I was a young man, an angry young man, I thought I could tinker with the nuts and bolts of the system, you know, demonstrate yeah. against uh, injustice wherever I saw it, and that it would somehow change. Well, you know, it did and it didn't. It did in incremental terms, but in really fundamental terms, no, it didn't. And all I got from banging my head against the walls of the system was a bloody big headache, you know. And yeah. it was only when I discovered meditation and discovered through the agency of the sacred plants that I could tweak my own software, take responsibility for who I am, reclaim my own power, that I can then make decisions that pertain to my being, that pertain to myself. And my rule has always been, you know, what they call in, in, uh, in Vedanta Ahimsa, which is do what you will, but harm none. As long as you yeah, harm yeah. nobody, you will have dominion over your own body. There is no outside agency that has the authority to tell you what to do with your own body, your own consciousness, your own being. And as you express your own being, one must be mindful that is you're expressing in a positive, beautiful way that can contribute to the well-being of oneself and, and of others. And I think that once you realize, once you, one, a person really realizes that we are connected in one unified field of consciousness, that all things are connected in this unified field of consciousness, then it becomes almost virtually impossible to do harm to another yeah, when yeah. you're truly awake. It becomes, it has its own inbuilt natural law that becomes self-evident to anybody that is at a certain state of consciousness. And that it is that natural law is basically ahimsa. Do what, whatever you will, but don't do harm to anybody else and don't interfere with anybody else's idea of what they're particular you know uh you know sense of uh self-fulfillment or self-actualization may be so this is what inspired me to make a new vision mm -hmm. and i wanted to create particularly at this time uh, and i wrote that and uh, and we were making the video prior to the lockdown happening uh, just as the other piece that i wrote uh, which is called um metamorphosis you might know it yes it comes off of my love life said it was written years ago because I could feel, I, I, I'm very in touch with large cycles, the larger cycles of, uh, that we're going through, evolutionary cycles. I'm not always clear on the details, but I can see what's coming down the line. And so that's why I wrote Metamorphosis many years ago in prepar to prepare people for this time and to awaken people to their own divinity, to their own mm. power, to their own, uh, to their own dominion over oneself. And this is what inspires me still to create uh, you know anything that I express in terms of creativity whether it be art or music or spoken word uh, is generally coming from that place because it's my joy to share that and to connect with other beings who are similarly interested in the awakening of humanity and who are not here to fight the bad guys yeah in truth once you know that all is one uh, if you fight the tar baby and you identify an enemy you become, you get stuck to the tar baby. You become that. That's mm -hmm. why Friedrich Nietzsche, who was one of the great philosophers in the 20th century said, choose your enemy well, because you become like him. Yes, and the yes. thing is to realize that the enemy is you, that I am the enemy, that I also have a killer, a victim, and all those things that I kind of point the finger out in the world, that we all contain that. And by owning that, and by, uh, taking responsibility for our own feelings and for our own reality and being aware that we create our own reality moment by moment, this in itself is a transformation. This completely changes the way that you, that you view yourself, 
the other, and by extension, the world, society. So um, it's, that's my joy, is to, is to gather yeah. with other uh, beings of light, beings who are interested in the transformation of human consciousness and creating heaven on earth, bringing heaven to earth, which just simply means bringing the higher frequencies that are ingressing upon the planet at this time down and anchoring them, becoming a willing and uh, positive conduit and anchor to hold these frequencies strong and firm into Mother Earth, into the third dimensional plane. So these frequencies are higher, fourth and fifth dimensional frequencies, for want of a better way of explaining them, and anchoring them down into the, into the Earth. And hence I say heaven to Earth. In other words, yes. non-physical energies that are divine and bringing them down into the physical realm. That is amazing. Um, and I'll, I'll ask you about the dimensions in a minute, but I think one of the key things that you just brought out there for me was um, <clears throat> it's, these frequencies, it's, it's almost like the bringing, bringing them in and embodying them because it strikes me that there's almost two things at play here whereby um, there's, there's these deeper cycles like you mentioned that are deep within the psyche, the collective psyche that are moving around. We're talking deep archety archetypal level that's Jungian psychology based. And they have been moving and shifting very, 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 very gradually um, at a very depthy conscious level. And now it's almost like it's their time to come up up and through us and into us. But at the same time, we ourselves, you know, we've been living in a, in a place where there is suffering and there has been suffering. And most of us carry some sort of trauma or collection or constellation of trauma, which has shaped us and shaped a persona of us that we have created that is separated from a phrase that I've been introduced to recently, like our inner indigenous. And, and that that in and of itself has been a protective thing that we have been inhabiting. And so part of that dropping in is facing that, um, have we got a friend? Sorry. And um, part of that has been, um, so part of what's happening at the moment is not just these bigger psychic uh, forces, but also that we've been living in a little bubble of our protective persona that we've created from our traumas. And so a large amount of that going in is going into our darkness, going into our shadow and realizing that it's not that bad, that that was created where you were like a four, five, six, seven, eight year old little boy or girl. And that's where you've been living. And now there's almost this coming back in out of that persona, back to that inner indigenous, whilst also meeting those psychic forces that are, uh, that are shifting at the same time. Beautifully put, Bryn. Uh, yeah, that's absolutely what I feel is happening. I totally resonate with all of your words there. It's mm. a beautiful thing to bring into the conversation. Jung is very, very pertinent this time because his whole idea of archetypal realities, mm. psychological archetypal realities, is a very... Uh, it's a, it's a great way to divine what it, where, at what point we are at in our human evolutionary cycle. And it is a cycle. And we mm. go through a kind of a, a, a rite of passage. And 
I like that term because I believe that's actually mm. what's happening with the human being. There's a rite of passage collectively. We're entering into a rite of passage. Uh, and uh, any rite of passage that is worth its salt, again, what I mentioned in a new vision, means that one must face one's shadow. In other words, the yeah. unconscious aspects of our own psyche. And that is sometimes challenging. But it's not, as you say, not as bad as one might think. People mm. often kind of shirk away from the idea of facing their own demons. But in fact, demons have a very, very useful function. They mm. are there to reflect back to us our own unconsciousness. Mm. They are there to reflect back to us our own fear, our mm. own unwillingness to look deep into the, into the vortex of human nature, human consciousness. And um, let's take this lockdown that's happened. I mean, yeah. take an archetypal view of that or, uh, you know, and let's look at it as a rite of passage. Who would have thought, you know, last November that something yeah. like this could possibly ever happen on the planet Earth? And yet it's affected every country in the entire globe has been locked down and has been, you know, uh, has been assailed by the threat of an invisible enemy. And what mm. better than an invisible enemy to throw you into the, into the darkness, into the pit, if you like, of our unconsciousness, yeah. the boogeyman. You know, it's the reason that Jaws was so uh, successful in the movie. Yeah. Our deep unknown and the fear we have of facing the unknown. And, um, you know, what, what happened? Uh, let me take another, take the analogy a little further. In the ancient mystery schools, for example, the mystery schools of Eleusis in Greece or the Mithraic mystery schools in Persia or the Egyptian mystery schools or many, many others, uh, one essential aspect is that you must always face your own mortality. In other words, you have to face the very, very real prospect of death or annihilation. This yeah. is an essential ingredient within the transformation of consciousness. One can't sidestep it. One yeah. might, yeah, I'm interested in transforming my consciousness, but I just don't want to do that death bit. No, yeah, I just yeah, don't yeah. Get around it. it doesn't work. It won't work. So it's a very, very essential step. And when one realizes that, you know, all mystery schools, all rites of passage, whether it be an initiation of a young boy in an Aboriginal society, or whether it be, you know, an initiation to higher consciousness in a, in a mystery school, um, shares the same thing of dying to one aspect of ourselves mm. and being reborn into, into a new aspect mm. of ourselves, a new modality of ourselves, a new perception where a young man is no, uh, sorry, a boy is no longer a boy. He becomes a young man and respected mm. within the tribe as a young man. Uh, and often, as you know, in many of the indigenous cultures, that would be some harrowing oh, uh, yeah. tests and trials that they'd have to go through, you know, in order to do that. And so, when, looked at, when we look at it collectively, um, you know, in the, in, the, in the ancient mystery schools of Eleusis, after two weeks of preparation and purification, you'd be given the sacrament, whether it be ayahuasca or some other sacrament, stripped naked and given a firebrand, pointed to a tunnel and said, there's the entrance to the labyrinth, find your way through to the other side. Of course, you have no map. You have no idea what you're going to face in there. You, you yep. know you're going to face all your worst fears and all your worst, you know, horrific kind of visions of what might be possible in there. Hence, you know, the stories of the, of the you know, the Greeks talked about, uh, you know, all of these monsters that they would face within, within the labyrinth. Mm. And, um, and when you go in there, you have only yourself to rely upon. 
And of course, one does face oneself, one does go through a death, one does get reborn into the fields of Elysium, which symbolizes higher consciousness or a new perception of oneself. And what happened with the lockdown is that we were given the sacrament, we were isolated in our homes, we were like uh, restricted in our, in our movement, not even able to see our family or, you know, like grandparents, or this is in, especially in Melbourne, what they're experiencing right now, curfews at night. I mean, everything that you ever thought about that happened in Nazi Germany is happening right now in Victoria and yeah. work, actually. Hitler took many years to get to the level that they're already in Victoria now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so what is happening is that people are under house arrest. People are in a confined space. People have suddenly, you know, the, the economy's falling down, everything that they've held sacred because it can't go to church, you can't, you, you know, uh, celebrate, and even deaths or weddings. Uh, and, and people are being thrown back on themselves. And this has many, what you could say, positive or negative aspects. And one of the positive ones is that for the first time ever, probably people had the opportunity to really take stock of themselves and go, wow, I don't have to go to, the job, to the, this job that I've hated all my life every day. Yeah. I'm stuck at home. Um, what do I really want? Who am I? What's, what's my purpose? What am I here to do? Questions that perhaps I've never asked before. This is the positive aspect of it. The negative aspect is, of course, Many people are, are going to despair, going to suicide, going there's child abuse is on the rise, uh, domestic violence is on the rise, marital uh, disharmony is on the rise. Because suddenly people who don't see each other throughout the day suddenly are there together all the time and or they have to face themselves and face their relationship, the truth of it. And in other words, we're in the labyrinth and we're having to face our shadow. And the shadow is also being imposed by an outside force over which we have no control. We're being told to stay home by our politicians, by the people in suits, by the so-called authorities, and, um, and we're having to do it. And so in a certain sense, I believe that what we're going through right now is a kind of a purification. It is yeah. a kind of a, it is facing the shadow. All of the shit that has been locked under the carpet or pushed under the carpet is starting to come to the surface. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you've heard about all the child trafficking things that are coming to the surface, the paedophilia issues, the abuses of power, the control, the totalitarian control that's being really mm. unfolded day by day, you know. Um, this is what, what the, where people are really having to face the shadow and face an unknown. We don't know what's going to happen. Things are uncertain. We are in cha chapel perilous. We don't know what is real or what is not real. We don't know what is true and what is not true. There are so many narratives going on, so much information, misinformation, disinformation, that is absolutely confusing and beguiling to most people. And this is actually a very uncomfortable place to be in. But as I said earlier, it is actually a very good state for the, yeah. for the uh, occurrence of the transformation of consciousness. And so I am seeing this entire event from a perspective of a birthing. So mm. that a birth is by its na very nature an arduous task. It is something that is both dangerous to both mother and child. Mm. There is no guarantee that the birth will happen in a good way. One prays, one hopes, one goes through it. But sometimes a child may die, sometimes a mother may die, especially in the days before medicine. Uh, sometimes both may die, but sometimes a real birth may happen and we're all familiar with the miracle of what that means. Yeah. Those of us who have been lucky to be parents, even those of us who are not can appreciate 
that birthing is a miracle. You know, suddenly there are two of you and now there's three. You know, it's, it's a, a, a magnificent miracle. And, yeah. uh, and I believe that what we're going through right now collectively is no less a miracle than what, what a birth is. It is a birth. But mm. the thing is, because most people cannot see that it is a birth, they're experiencing it as massive restriction, as you know, abusive power, or that the, the power is being imposed upon them uh, from an outside agency. But that's not much different from a fetus who's been lying in amniotic bliss for nine months, which is an eternity to the fetus, whose head is suddenly turned within the fetus, and suddenly peristalsis has just begun, the birth pangs have just begun, and forces beyond its own ken are forcing it down towards this impossibly tiny cervix, yeah. being pushed down to it without any, you know, any say well whatsoever. And yeah. of course, to the fetus, it thinks, fuck, I'm dying, I'm dying, what's happening? My world has been disrupted, and I'm being pushed to this great unknown, of which I, have, I'm not, I don't have any power. And of course, as we go through, as it goes through the cervix, down the vaginal canal, and is being born at this end, we as parents are going, wow, welcome to the world, come in. Wow, you're right. Yeah. The child arrives going, what the fuck, where am I? What am I? Yeah. Because drama, it, baby. Thought it was dying a moment ago, and now it's in a completely different environment with a different view of itself, with a different connection to the mother. It's actually separate now from the mother. The umbilical cord has been cut, and now it is a being in its own right. Well, if you can be cognizant and remain aware that what we are going through is a great birthing, then one can meet the shadow with a certain amount of, if not bravado, certainly courage. Yes. You know, to say, okay, this is where we're at. We're in Chapel Perilous. Yes. I'm just going to, I'm not going to judge this or that, right or wrong, good or bad. I'm just going to stay firm and trust this process. It's a little bit like the Hopi Indians say, we are living in very turbulent times. The river is in a great flood. There's no point trying to swim against it. There's no point even trying to go towards the shore. The only thing we can do is keep our heads above the water and just go with the flow. In other words, we have to trust. And yes. this is the real biggie. This is and the one is. that's really, really hard for people is simply to let go and let God or the goddess do her work. And I believe that although this has been unprecedented in our historical process, nature has done this trick, this miracle, many, many times before. And what is happening, I believe, is that the icing is being put on the cake of human consciousness. When we come out the other side, we will look back and go, wow, that was oh, harrowing, but it was absolutely necessary. We needed to clean ourselves out because all that we were cl clutching onto and clinging to in the material level of our existence, like a hungry caterpillar eating many times its weight every day, um, it, it was we we just didn't have any idea, and we we you know had no idea of our of our destiny as a butterfly, and mm. so you know people today it's hard for them to really realise that this is going somewhere really amazing, and it takes a great amount of trust to even uh, take that on board, and the trust comes from trust in life, trust in existence. So many people are pointing to the cabal and to the elite and to this and that. And of course, these people on the fourth, third and fourth dimensional planes are responsible for a lot of what's going on. But we have to thank these people because we are in an alchemical crucible of transformation and we need great forces of, of opposing forces of great pressure and, and, and time and heat and cold to, 
change carbon into a diamond. And we are in the crucible, the alchemical crucible of consciousness in which coal is being transformed into a diamond. But it won't happen without a lot of stress. And stress is a part of the game. So it's a matter of getting, accepting that, accepting what is happening, not trying to hide from it, not trying to escape it, not trying to change it, not trying to fix it, but just going with it in the full awareness that existence, that nature knows exactly what she's doing, that she's done this mm. before, and that we just need to trust. And what do we trust when we trust nature? We're trusting ourselves. And this is what we really need to do. The world needs to know how to love. Firstly, to love oneself. We've been living in a world in which love has been absent. It's been the love that we've been used to has been infatuation, has been like, oh, I like that, I want it, it's mine. Right. Not the kind of love I'm talking about, which is trust, which is like a baby's love, which is like the love that nothing will ha happen to it, that, that existence will take care of, that the mother will take care. And uh, this kind of trust is what I'm talking about. And I think this is a challenge for most people is to find a place within themselves where they can just accept what is happening rather than trying to reject it or ignore it or be like an ostrich with a head in the sand and pretend it's not happening. None of those, if, if you're doing any of those things, then more and more stress will, will enter into your life. And more like a Chinese burn, more and more pain and, and, and uh, suffering and misery will result from that kind of resistance. So my, my feeling and my advice to myself and to other friends of mine, uh, to all my beloveds and tribe is to, is to trust yourself and to trust this process without mm. trying to understand it, without trying to fix it. Certainly, I'm not, I'm not advocating being apathetic. Do whatever you can do. If you can write to your politicians, if you can stand up and say, I do not consent, this is not what, I, what my frequency is, I do not agree. I think it absolutely behooves you to do that. Yeah. But I don't think you need to fight. I don't think you need to make the other person wrong or the other party. You don't need to engage them in hostility. You know, we just need, this is a process of purification where that which is toxic is being re released. And uh, although it looks like the forces of, you know, uh, that be are, are in the ascendancy, this is just an illusion. This is like a sleight of hand. You know, this is like a, a magical trick, an apparition, because the power is truly with us where it has always been. And the problem is that we have need to grow up. That's the issue because we've been giving our power away. We've yes. been acquiescing to all these people who claim to be authorities. We've been saying, you do it for me. You tell me what to do. You tell me how to live. Tell me what to believe. Give me the rule book. And it's time to grow up. It's time to stop shitting in our own backyard. It's time to, you know, get out of the nappies and start taking being responsible for our own human ecology. First of all, for our own psychic, mental, emotional, and spiritual ecology. And secondly, you know, or firstly, to give that love and respond and respect and the, bring the power back to oneself. And then from that place of empowerment, to extend that to others and to empower others in that way for them to stand up and to take back their sovereignty, to take back, you know, to, to simply say no. Have the power to say no. Australians mm. are notorious for going, oh, she'll be right, mate. No, you just, it'll be all right. Yeah, oh, they'll, yeah. they'll work it out. Not my department. Yeah. You know, more than me jobs work, that kind of mentality. That's yeah. got to stop. That's, that's what's being discarded. That's what's grown yeah. by, out of its use by date. It's time to say no. This is not acceptable. 
and I am the authority over what happens to my body. This is especially in relation to vaccines. Yeah. You know, why would I put something into my child's vein that I have no idea what is in that, in that syringe? There's no way I do that to my child or to myself. Not unless the doctor says to me what is inside of it and convinces me that it's actually going to be good for my health then maybe I'll consider it. But at the moment, there is no such information being given, nor is there any opportunity to have any, any kind of like rational debate about the issue, nor is there any, any kind of uh, decision-making process that's being foisted upon people. So now is the time to say, sorry, mum and dad, I'm growing up now. It's time for me. I'm now cutting that umbilical cord and you are just two people. And, you know, politicians, we actually voted you in there. We pay you. You are the ones who we pay to make decisions for our well-being. And you make an oath to swear that, this, that it will be for our well-being. And if you are seen or proved to do otherwise, then you are a criminal. Then you need to be demoted, thrown out of the job, fired, just like anybody else would be if they go against the dictates of their particular occupation. So, you know, I do feel strongly about many things uh, that are happening today, but I don't take uh, a, a kind of a, a, a fighting pose to it. I don't, I don't take a hostile approach to it. I just simply call a spade a spade and tell people to grow up and make their own decisions about what is good for them and, to, and what is real and what is not real and what is true and what is not true. You are the arbiter. You are the decider, not some other person. And this is a very, very important uh, point to get. And that yeah. is intrinsic and at the very heart of this awakening into full responsibility as a conscious custodian of this incredibly beautiful planet that we live on. That's, um, that's echoed a, con a continued thread that's popped up in recent podcasts, which is this whole time to grow up. I've been asking for a period of time, where have all the adults gone? Like things have seriously been fucked and we've been allowed and we've allowed things to slide. And I said in a previous podcast, you know, I'm 45 years old and for a while during my twenties and thirties, I, I, I felt much like a boy, probably because those rites of passage that you so eloquently put across earlier on with me strip naked firebrand into the cave or some derivative thereof. We did not do that. You know, we, I've spoken a lot or listened a lot about the whole world of codependency. And you just think, well, fuck, you start that at the age of 18 or 16 or 18. Like, codependency is not a thing anymore because, you That's know, right. you've, you've already gone through that. Yes. You're into the next place. Yes. And so, and so at this point, um, we, as you rightfully said, we have abdicated and given away so much responsibility, infantilized ourselves. And, and just recently at the age of 45, I suddenly go, well, surely at some point the, the grown-ups are going to turn up. And then I suddenly <laughs> realized, oh shit, that's me now. That's me. <laughs> that's me now. That's, oh right, that's me. And it felt really good to actually go, well, I, I'm the grown-up now. So how's about, no, how's about, stop that and how's about off and and it it it's it's so easy for us to get swept up in 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 the i almost picture at times myself sitting in the front in the middle of a a, a big big 
tornado that's spinning round. And I can tell when I've been swept up by it, and that's when I have to actively come back to the middle. And it can be through simple stuff like um, all of a sudden, you, you know, it's, 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 you know, yes, there's a lot of stuff around child trafficking and things like that. And, and whilst they are pertinent lines of inquiry, they're also great ways to get swept up and, and, and fucked off somewhere else. Um, but at the same time, it's easy as well, I suppose, to listen to people like yourself who, who talk about you know, great metamorphosis and things are moving and this, that, and the other. And, and on the other end of the scale go, well, Darpan said it's going to be all right, you know. So, you know, and, and then you get this incredible spiritual bypassing of doing the thing, but not really doing the thing. I, I can talk about it. And I'm sure in your, in, 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 in your years, you've seen a shit ton of spiritual bypassing. Um, and so, yeah, to actually just get to this point where and people don't like it when you chuck responsibility back on. I did a podcast not so long ago about narcissism and everyone was like, yeah, yeah, they're so bad. They're so bad. But it, it's you who let them into your life. What did you learn from that? And so I, I love this fact that you're talking about, yes, there's going to be greatness that comes out of the birth, but let's not forget, we're going to ram through that little hole first and, and your skull is going to be in three pieces and it's going to squeeze and you're going to go to some dark places. And that is absolutely necessary. It is indeed. And, you know, like I'm all, I'm, I totally take your point about spiritual bypassing. And there are so many people I know in the new age who conveniently go, oh, well, no, it's all good. It's all one. It's all, you know, I'm, I'm very much of the adherent that uh, as above, so below, as in heaven, so on earth. In other words, you know, we need to be absolutely, uh, although we, uh, I feel that the answer is to, to become aware of this unified field of consciousness that we are all a part of, and that that is the truth in the final analysis, that all is one. But while we are still in duality, while we are still enmeshed in this and that, up and down, wrong and right, good and evil, it, it behooves us to actually make a stand according to our own integrity. That doesn't mean you have to be in an afflictive state with other people, but right. it does mean you have to call a spade a spade. It yeah. does mean you have to stand up and, and tell the truth about what you mm. feel rather than acquiesce and go, oh, well, I'll go along with it because if I stick my head up, it'll get chopped off or other people will judge me or other people think I'm, I'm an idiot or whatever. Mm. You know, the, all these kind of things that stop people from speaking their truth. So I'm all for connecting to higher frequency consciousness, but then acting really, really uh, in a very proactive way within yeah. the 3D realm. And they're not, uh, they're not in, in kind of opposition to each other. They are part of a whole. And this is, it looks like a paradox, but in fact, life is a paradox, you know? Yeah. And it's a beautiful paradox that we can be absolutely uh, you know, true to ourselves and true to who we are in this earthly plane, while still being aware that in the larger picture, it is all one. It is all a play of consciousness. Mm. It is all playing out right now, 3D space time. As time collapses, as it accelerates, and, that whoa, 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 and we're right in the bit right now, um, yeah. to just let go to, into that higher awareness so that we don't go into despair. Because if you don't have that higher awareness, you will go into despair. 
you'll think my world is collapsing, it's being destroyed and there's nothing to take its place. So the reason I refer to the bigger picture is not, say, is not a spiritual bypass, it's simply to make people aware of the bigger perspective so yeah. they can find courage in being proactive in this domain and standing up for their rights, standing up for freedom, standing up for inalienable human rights, standing up for sovereignty, standing up for, you know, making a difference in this world, not just lying back on your spiritual couch and going, oh yeah, everything's gonna be okay, we'll let God handle it. It's like, who is God but ourselves? God needs our hands, our mind, yeah. our, our being, our consciousness to yeah. create this transformation. So who but ourselves? You know, so I'm not in any way advocating people just to forget about what's happening in some sort of spiritual nirvana cloud of bliss. That's bullshit. But yeah. I do think that there are higher, uh, higher uh, realities that need to be embraced. Yeah. In other words, we need to embrace a multidimensional awareness and take off the blinkers that have just kept us locked into this 3D space-time reality and start to be aware of the bigger picture. Yeah. And, you know, if I start to go into that, then, you know, that's a whole other story. I won't go into yeah. that. But, but um, it, 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 the point being that, uh, you know, it's, it, now is the time. Now, it used to be we talked about this coming time and some time in the future. It is happening now. Yeah. And it's no longer okay just to fall asleep on the couch and think someone else will take care of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now is the time to wake up because if not me, then who? It requires every human being to come together. And if every human being starts to just come back to their own sovereignty and their own inalienable human rights, then what will happen will be a, a movement, a, an awakening, a, a, a connection, a gestalt, a, a morphogenetic field that will be unstoppable. And completely, no matter how much resources or money or armies certain groups on the planet might own, it will be, it will be useless. Because just as George, I think it was George Bernard Shaw, who once said, no army in the world can stop an idea that's coming to its own time. So we've got to come to this idea of awakening, this idea of growing up, of this idea of a passage, a rite of passage into a new awareness of who we are. Mm with ourselves in relation to the other and with the world. This is what's paramount. There's no point tinkering with the nuts and bolts of the system. The system has passed its use by date. It's old. It's being reformed as we speak. Many people talk about the great reset. Well, I do think there is a reset and I think it'll be a spiritual reset that will embrace all of the material world as well. Yes. And it is happening as we speak because if you look at the news or the media, you're not going to see any evidence of it. You're only going to see people whose interest it is to keep you in the locked into the shadow emanations of the lower chakras, you know, fight and flight, uh, look after number one, dog eat dog, uh, you yeah. know, competition, take care of oneself, uh, you know, power issues, power abuses. This is what, what, what we're being locked into when, when, when we're put into fear, when we embrace fear. And I think that part of our growing up as human beings is that we each of us have a very, very clear choice to make. And every human being must make this. And that is very simple. It's a very simple binary choice. Do I choose love or do I choose fear? And, you know, one has to be aware that the mind is a very tricky customer. Oh, shit. Not called the monkey mind for nothing. It can convince you you're choosing love uh, fear, yeah, when you're choosing fear and vice versa. So the way to go is to go back to the body. The body is a far better barometer of truth than the mind. 
And yeah. if you find yourself contracted, fearful, you know, like feeling uncomfortable, you know you're choosing fear. Your body is going into a state of fear if you're feeling contracted. And if you're feeling open and expanded and can express yourself and, and, and feel confident with that, you are, that you are worthy, that what your opinion is, is, is valid, it's valid, and that you are a creative force on this planet, which is an expression of the, the divine force, then uh, that is true power. And that is uh, choosing love. That is choosing love. Hmm. That is choosing the birthing. That is choosing that one recognizes that a certain modality of consciousness is past its use by day. And that there is, it, it's necessary as everywhere you look in nature, this happens, death and rebirth, transformation. Of, you know, this transformation is just what's happening to human beings right now because it's just happening to human beings. If you go out in nature, the river is still rivering, the bird is still singing, the trees are still growing, they're green, the sun is shining. It's per beautiful. So I, I encourage everybody to go into nature because that is the best, best antidote to anxiety. But all of this drama is going on in the minds of human yep. beings the world over, the collective consciousness and the collective unconsciousness. And right now we're at the stage where we're squeezing the boil, where the pus has to come out. And everybody has to look at that. Just that's part of recognizing the shadow. You have to look it square in the eye, in the face and go, yeah, that's me too. Yeah, I own yeah. that. That's me. Yeah. yeah, that's not just him. It's I don't like it, but that's. But I, I did that. I contributed to that. I was unconscious, and now I make an intention to become conscious, and I won't ever have to repeat that again, because mm. I'm bringing consciousness to this situation, and that is what sometimes we need a big Zen stick to do. That's why in the Zen Buddhist tradition they had what they called a Zen stick, because as his master hit you over the head often a big awakening could occur. He wasn't trying to beat up the, the poor initiate or the disciple. It was just to wake up because people are so fast asleep and it's time to wake up. And this is all that, that's why these adverse situations, these restrictions are inadvertently a wake up call. That's why I say the devil knows not for whom he works. These mm. restrictions may be, may be implemented for a, a kind of an ulterior motive or another agenda of control and of a totalitarian technocracy. I think there's great evidence to support that, but I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that actually that is part of the solution that that kind of a restriction and repression, that kind of a Zen stick, if you like, is exactly what's required to wake people up because most people are still fast asleep, but more and more people are waking up every day without fail. I see it everywhere I go. And if you consider a pair of scales where the so-called negativity is far outweighing the positivity yeah. and just, you know, like just little grains are coming into the positive area. It just takes one grain one day for the entire thing to shift. And that's what I see is coming. That's what I see is happening with human consciousness. And what I'm talking about now, which may be gobbledygook for many people who watch it, uh, will seem so obvious and so self-evident. Even a child, actually children do see it. They look at things straight without common sense, without any of the hypnosis or the conditioning or the brainwashing that human, most adult humans have been subjected to. Children, again, are a very, far more barometer, better barometer of the truth and of simple logic. But uh, human beings are under the spell of a massive conditioning process since we've been born. And the mainstream media, I'm just telling people, don't watch it. 
because it is a spell. It is a spell that's being perpetrated upon human beings. It always has been. That's why it's called television, television, because it's actually inducting you into a way of seeing things, which is being imposed upon you from outside. And mm. the way to see things is to inquire within. That will be the way in the future to know whether something is right or not. It won't be you go, oh, was this the correct thing to do? Or, or should I do this or should I do that? One will simply go inside and look within and the answer will come because that's what happens when you're connected to your own deep innermost. It just happens spontaneously. You don't need any great talent or any great psychic ability or any knowledge. It's just a, a, an ordinary, uh, it, it's just a natural occurrence when one is undivided within oneself. It's only while we are separated and divided in our consciousness that we can be manipulated, that we can be led down the garden path to the slaughterhouse. Uh, we can be you know, told all manner of bullshit. And not only will we believe it if we're under that kind of hypnosis, but we'll start you know, making others wrong for believing anything different because oh, yeah. the herd is always like that. If you stray away from the herd, not only do we, are we being jailed, but we've been given the job to be our own jailers and make sure you they even got a thing in Victoria, the dob on your neighbor, if they are doing stuff that is harmful to themselves, that's how they put it. And they have incredible means and euphemisms like staying apart keeps us together. Can you get that? It's staying apart keeps us together. I mean, any child can see the dissonance in that kind of logic. And yet they put that out there as if it's a real thing. It's a hypnotic spell. It's nothing, nothing more, nothing less than that. And people are buying it. If you watch television, you will buy it. Look, I was a, a mad addict of the world news for many years. I used to always watch the news. But then I realized, when I realized it was a tool of mass hypnosis, that it wasn't actually giving me news, it was giving me the way I should think about events. Yes. Even though I knew that it was a tool of mass hypnosis, didn't mean that I was immune to it. Hmm. I had to admit that to myself. So I had to simply stop watching it. And I don't watch it now because, mm. you know, I can stay abreast of what's happening in the world through many other means, uh, you know. Uh, so I simply don't expose myself to that kind of toxicity. Mm. And I think, I mean, that, that's just fantastic. I think one of the things for me recently has been it's so easy to get angry with all those things that are out in the world, such as media, governments, big pharma, all those things that are big and angry and and you know they they've tricked me and they've lied to me and this and that and the other yet there's been a part of you inside inside your own consciousness that has been sold and has wanted to believe and wanted to hope that was sold in those things and it's easy to then go and get angry with the outside world because you feel slightly ashamed about it I've, I've seen a number of people who've sort of had these spontaneous epiphanies that all is not as it seems. And then they get quite angry with the world and then they get quite ashamed and they don't want that to be because if this is the case, then I feel stupid. And, and I think a large part of it is recognizing that there has been parts of you that were sold, got led down the path and all of that. And those parts need, you talk about love, those parts within you need love. Because while you continue to be angry with the man or the cabal or the mainstream media, that anger will just perpetuate and perpetuate and perpetuate. Absolutely. That's the nature of anger. That's the nature. That's why all these 
regimes and ideologies have been going on and on, going through the same cycle uh, for millennia, you know, and nothing's ever been solved. They say it's human nature. It's actually not. It's just a state of consciousness that produces that kind of yeah. a pattern that keeps recurring and it keeps repeating itself. Um, I agree. Uh, anger, it's, it's okay to be angry. There's yeah. nothing wrong to express anger. There's nothing wrong expressing any emotion. As long as you're not harming anybody, as long as you're not trying to like trying to direct that anger and dump it on someone else, you know, pound yeah. a pillow, run around the block, chop wood, do anything, but yeah. you know, express the anger, holding it in and blocking it under will only make you sick. Yeah. So it's good to express the anger. It's what I call the lion stage of, of awakening because the first stage is just acquiescence, not even aware that you're being rorted, that you've mm. been exploited, that you've been milked for millennia. Um, when you wake up to that, it's not a pretty sight, you know, when you see this shit that's been going down and you see it for the first time, anger is a very normal and reasonable response, but how you deal with that anger, that is what's crucial because there's no point getting angry and retaliating because then you get stuck to the tar baby. As I said earlier, you'll get, you, you will become like the enemy that you're, that you are fighting with. No, what to do is to wake up and, be, and take responsibility, take power back, all the power you've been giving away to other people, to other authority figures, particularly to priests and politicians, what I call the unholy mafia of the mind, who've been dictating this conditioning, this black magic spell of usury of the money financial system that's existed on this planet. All of that just needs to be, just needs to be seen. And like the pus coming out of the boil, it needs to be squeezed out. But then we don't have to be vindictive and try and punish those people. Those people are even more unconscious than, than we had been in acquiescing. Mm. So one has, to, one has to take responsibility. One has yeah. to realize, fuck, I'm creating this reality. So mm. by me blaming the cabal or the mainstream media is not going to help one little thing. I'm just going to perpetuate the same pattern, the same cycle in the end as has always gone on. No. One needs to get angry, express yourself like a lion, which just simply means saying, no, enough is enough, done. I'm not, I'm not accepting that anymore and I'm not complying. I do not give my consent. That is totally fine. That's not what I call hostile. Yeah. That is called taking your power back. Bring it to where it's always been. No, you simply say no. But when you've gone through that no stage, the lion, instead of being a sheep, from a sheep you become a lion, then the next stage after that is, this is Friedrich Nietzsche, by the way, again, in his book, yeah. Thus Fake Zarathustra, he talks about three stages of human consciousness. He doesn't call the first stage sheep, actually. He calls it camel, because he was from the Middle East. Yeah. It's camel, camel consciousness. And then he says that when people wake up to take responsibility, then they come into the lion consciousness, where you have the ability to say no. Whereas prior to that, you were too afraid. You didn't know you could say no. You're too busy being being told what to do to even think that you had an opinion and you didn't have enough self-worth to do it in the first place. No, when that comes, that genuine no, that genuine lion starts to roar, it is a beautiful thing. And there's nothing nicer than a person who's really honestly angry without, without dumping that on anybody else. Yeah. Because their life face becomes alive, they become full of energy, they're infused with power. And then if this power is directed towards the next step, which is to take responsibility to bring that power back to oneself and to say, I refuse to give my power away anymore. Mm. I, I refuse to do that. I've, I've sold myself down the line. 
you know, I've been cheating myself. I've been, I've been kind of selling myself short. I've been, you know, sticking my head in the sand, wanting other people to clean up my shit. You know, the moment you can say, no, I'm going to do that. Now, from now on, I am the arbiter of my consciousness. I am going to decide what goes and what does not go in my world. I will decide what is real and what is not real in my life. I will decide the kind of values which I wish to live by. This is the lion stage, and a very beautiful stage it is. But the next stage, as according to Nietzsche, is, is the child. And this is my, my, the, the one that I love the most, because look at children. They are just so divine in the sense that they can totally express their emotions, they can cry and be angry, then the next minute they can laugh, and they're totally in laughter. They're not carrying their anger into the laughter, or vice versa. Like, you know, when a person at the office, their boss does something, they can't express their anger, so they smile weakly and really wanting to kill the person. And so you get this mix-up of inauthenticity. People become inauthentic. They stop, they stop being truthful to themselves. Whereas a child is absolutely truthful. And a child is innocent. A child trusts. A child trusts that in the basic goodness of existence and in the goodness of its parents. And in this trust, many beautiful things unfold. And so that is what Nietzsche says is the final stage of, of the icing on the cake, if you like, of this unfolding of consciousness. But it is very necessary to move through the lion stage. It is very necessary to say, no, I do not consent. And the next stage is incredibly beautiful, positive co-creation. Co-creation beyond our wildest dreams. You know, once humanity is, is, is no longer divisive, is no longer being exploited into a hierarchy of a pyramidical hierarchy with those at the top receiving all the benefits and trickling it slightly down to those, all the masses of below, kind of a hunger game society. Mm. Then people, when they realize that they are part of a true, a unified field of consciousness, that I am appointing that consciousness and I am a unique being, but I actually am the entire thing as well. Yeah. Once people have a palpable, uh, experiential experience of their own true being, their own true essence, as pure consciousness, which can never be born and can never die. It is the very thing that animates my speech now. It is not the collection of ideas, opinions, and judgments that I call DARPAN. It is that pure essence that can speak and that can express through my eyes right now that, that force, that yeah. force which disappears when the body dissolves and the body looks like a waxen image. That is what I'm talking about. That can neither be created nor destroyed. That is the part of all things. It is immanent in all things. And once people have a palpable experience of that reality, then how could you harm anybody else? How could you? And what's more, what could be more exciting and inspiring than to self-actualize by making the world a more beautiful place mm. than what you came or by sharing yourself in whatever it is that your gift is that, that, you know, that you actually have the wherewithal to ask, what is my gift? What can I offer to the world? How can I contribute to the well-being of my fellow human beings and, and my family, my friends and my beloveds? What can I do to, to make things more beautiful, more happy? And this is a joy in itself, which doesn't require payment. It is its own reward. The feeling of doing that, of honestly feeling that, what Abraham Maslow called self-actualization, uh, is beyond any money or any usury or any kind of like financial reward or benefit. You know, um, in my world, I, I would like to see a world emerge 
and this is a very, very rough stroke, where basic things like medicine, housing, education, food, uh, community are given. You don't pay for those things. Just because you're a human being, you have that. Yeah. And, you know, people live together in beautiful pods, connected cybernetically with thousands and millions of other pods. And you decide in your pod what is how you want to live. And you're yeah. not influencing anybody else. And there's a central, non-political, non-power, uh, functional organization which takes care of functional things like, you know, food production, agriculture, whatever it is, ministry of this and that and everything else. But then what happens once all of our lower chakra needs, our you know, needs for survival, for love, for connection, for being, being enriched and nourished are fulfilled, then these higher chakras can kick in. And suddenly love, not just love for your beloved or for your family, but mm. love for human beings, love for the greater good, love for all beings can start to be birthed. Then the creativity can come to think that, what is my purpose? What is my special gift? I'm a unique being. What can I give that is uniquely me that will enrich others? And by enriching others, I know that I will automatically enrich myself. And then to have the insight and the spiritual awareness to realize that we are all one, that this entire human family is an incredible collective. And when that certain consciousness <coughs> in place, then things that have destroyed this world, the technology that has polluted this world, has destroyed this world, that has made it toxic, can heal this world, can make it into a fucking the most amazing, beautiful place in really quick, smart time because we have amazing technology at this point and it can either be used or abused. It's not the technology's fault. I am all for technology. I think technology is an evolutionary driver. It's like who creates who, you know, like we create yeah. a computer, but then the computer recreates us and then we go forth and back into this kind of synergistic loop. And I believe that that is what is unfolding. And I believe that, you know, when that has fully birthed, if the birthing is successful, then there'll be no need to kind of bring this kind of conversation that I'm, that I'm delivering right now, because yeah. everybody will be self-evident to everybody. It won't need to be mentioned. It's, it's as clear as sunlight. Can you mm -hmm. argue about the sun and the sky? It would just be self-evident and clear. And people say, oh, yeah, but it's human nature that has its dark side. That Yes, human nature does have its dark side. But we're not here to be perfect. We're here to be whole, whole human beings. That's where the word healing comes from, holing. And so, like, when we become whole human beings, we can make mistakes. But we will learn and, we'll, and the greater good can spring forth because I believe in the innate, intrinsic goodness of human beings mm -hmm. and all things, in fact. And given the right consciousness, given the right awareness, given the right conditions. It's like growing a garden. Give the right conditions and you grow beautiful flowers. And that's all I'm saying. It's just that we've been stunted and stilted in our growth because mm. of the conditions have been incredibly taxing to human potential. It hasn't supported human potential in the past. Yes, in certain respects, in specialized aspects, you can be a good doctor or a good psychiatrist or a good whatever. But I'm talking about being a whole human being, about the full expression of, of, home, of, of home, homo sapiens. You know, yeah. like, uh, this, is, this is what I'm, and I, I think that that is coming. I really do. And I believe that the utopian dream that it's in the hearts of most people is not just some wishful fancy or some, you know, impossible dream. I believe given the right conditions and the right consciousness, 
Mm. All of this will become natural. It will naturally flow. It will, in other words, we'll, get, we'll upgrade to, to conscious custodians of this planet instead of unconscious custodians of this planet. Outstanding. <laughs> One of the last questions I ask my guests is, um, and it's a fun question actually, is if, um, if you could upload one question into the collective consciousness so that everybody just spent seven quiet minutes reflecting on it, what would that be? If, say that again. So if you could upload, one, upload and pose one question for everyone to cogitate on and reflect on and meditate on for seven, eight, ten minutes, what would that be? Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? This is a very, very fruitful and productive line of inquiry. One that will demolish who you think you are if you really mm. inquire deeply and reconnect you to whom you have always been. And if from that awareness, from that consciousness, everything I just spoke about a few minutes ago will naturally extrude. It will just, it, it can't help but do that. Mm. So I would say, who am I? Because people have been befooled into thinking that they are the sum total of their ideas, prejudices, opinions, beliefs, concepts, everything you've ever accumulated, all the knowledge you've ever accumulated since you were able to conceptualize and this is what we call ego this is mm. what we call personality and it is personality slash ego that obscures us from the truth of who we are and that is the truth of who we who truly are is common to everybody it's not somebody has to be special or gifted or in any way extraordinary everybody shares that that's the wonderful thing but it's been obscured and cast into separation by the schism in our minds. And it's, uh, let me just make a, a kind of a, you know, a, a kind of a, a, an ad, a, a corollary to that. And that is that I don't think ego is a bad thing. I no. think ego is very necessary to navigate through 3D space time. I just think that it's the identification to the ego as to thinking that's who you are. That is the toxic element. That is where we become separated. That is where we become less than whole. That is where we cut the root of our true vitality and our true possibility and true potential as human beings. So who am I? Because this line of inquiry, even with a small amount of inquiry, once you get past all of the beliefs and ideas and, 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 and opinions that you have about who you think you are, when you truly come to that silent place where there is no immediate response from the mind, when the mind has been stymied by this repeated question of who am I, then and only then, when we step outside of the mind, can we apprehend the truth of that mm. essence, of that beauty, of that unparalleled, unmitigated, you know, stream of pure consciousness that that is immanent and 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 is uh, is the basis of all things that we can perceive. This is what I would say. Who am I? This is, this is what I would say. Stefan, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Great, Bryn. Ditto. If um, people want to find you, whereabouts can they find you out in Well, there? I have a website which is being kind of like uh, remodeled and re uh, kind of created at the moment. Uh, and that's www.darpan.com. Um, 
of course, I'm on the usual channels, Facebook, uh, Instagram, uh, you know, places like that you can find me. Um, that's about it at the moment. Uh, I, I'm doing lots of these podcasts at the moment. I do have a YouTube channel. That's a really good place to get a hold of me, uh, which mm. is just called, I think it's called Darpan Music. Yeah. Uh, that you can find a lot of my music and a lot of these talks there. Mm. And uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. And, and I'm totally uh, welcome any, any kind of correspondence and uh, connection and sharing. And yeah. very, very grateful for you to offer me this podcast and an opportunity to share some uh, very kind of uh, synchronistic uh, thoughts, you know, that mm. are pertaining to today's situation. No, thank you very much. It's, it's, um, I've been following your work for a, a little while and it's always interesting to... Um, as you'll have picked up, there's always this dangerous line between disappearing into this um, sort of formless, mystical area, which is great for telling oneself another great story. So we can, so we can do a, the mind plays a sneaky trick, and so we can abdicate responsibility out there because oh, you know the you know the spiritual mystic type fella says this. So I think what's been great today is that there's there's been that there's been that sort of not that level of discussion has been a, a good high level of discussion that's also been brought down into the very truth of the fact that we do live in a 3d reality. And this is not about, sometimes I think this whole idea of um, ascension is a bit of a, a bit of a furphy because we're not ascending and disappearing. We're staying right here. Absolutely. Right fucking here. I, I really dislike this term ascension. It's one of those fairy floss ideas and the new age that comes across all the time. I prefer to call it the ingression. Oh. It is an ingression of higher frequencies and we are the willing anchors, the conduits, yeah. if not us who, to anchor this into this third dimensional plane in our consciousness. Yeah. It's not about getting out of here. This is the temple, this body, this yeah. being right here. This is where I am. Yeah. And so anything that is changing is happening here within me. And within yeah. all of this. Yeah. And so it's a matter of ingressing these energies. It's not about tripping out into other dimensions. Yeah. And um, why would you want to go anywhere else? I mean, look out the window. Exactly. The sun is great. Trees are great. Absolutely. Darpan, <laughs> it's been freaking awesome. Thank you very much. Great, Bryn. Fantastic. Thank you again once more. Bye. <laughs>